Hello, and welcome to the Carnage Report, where we bring you the latest on all things horror-related, keeping you up to date with news you can use. I'm Julie Holland. And I'm Nick Spacek. The Carnage Report is part of the Cinepunks podcast family. Go to Cinepunks.com to find entertainment news, reviews, and other great podcasts like Horror Business, Twitch of the Death Nerve, and Tomb of Ideas. And Cinema Smorgasbord, which just celebrated its 200th episode. Amazing. Those guys are so fun to listen to. If you want to help support Cinepunks and ultimately this show, you can become a Cinepunks Patreon subscriber at patreon.com slash Cinepunks, C-I-N-E-P-U-N-X. Also, please go check out our great sponsors like Essex Coffee Roasters, who offer specialty grade coffee roasted to order for the most fresh and delicious home brewing experience. They are committed to accessible quality coffees, offering education on coffee and brewing to all of their customers. They and Essex Coffee Roasters believes you don't have to be a coffee expert to enjoy a great cup of coffee right now. If you go to their website, EssexCoffeeRoasters.com, and you use the code CINEPUNKS, you get 10% off your order. Also, be sure to go check out Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations. They are the premier screen printer of the Lehigh Valley, but also maybe the world. Personable and professional, the only place where you can get punk rock attitude with professional service and printing. And you can find them at xlvacx.com. It is time for the setup where we get to know each other a little bit better. Um, And in line with our movie, which is very, it's a wonderful life. Um, What is the one choice that you made which would have totally changed your life? This is kind of a hard one because I think every teeny tiny little choice has that possibility. Um, And there's a couple of big ones that I think did, but I'm going to go with um, playing roller derby because it not only changed my life in that the way it took up my time changed the, I think the trajectory of my career goals because I was working in music at the time and the two things were kind of hard. It was hard to get to a place where I could have fully made working in music my life because of the commitment to roller derby, which sounds like a bummer, but probably isn't. It kind of depends on whether you want fun or stability. And I think I definitely chose stability, which is fine. And but also every nearly every friend I have can be attributed to playing roller derby and nearly every opportunity that I've had can also stem back to the connections that I've made with people who helped me get jobs and things like that. So it just feels like if I hadn't done that, even though I was never really all that good at it and I didn't really play for that long, I think that it really did change the course of where I was going. How about you? Um, I have a cat yelling, um, which is why I was muted. Um, uh, no, um, mine also similar, but, um, like I was offered, like when I graduated high school, like a full two year ride to Kansas city, Kansas community college. And I opted not to take that because I wanted to go to KU. And if I hadn't gone to KU, like I wouldn't have met like people that I've known. I wouldn't have gone to like shows and then also met other people and all of that. Like I would have like, it would have been totally different because my parents were like, well, if you get free college, we'll just buy you a car. Um, and I would have moved in with my grandma uh, because she lived she lived in KCK and like five, 10 minutes from there. Mm-hmm. So like totally different. Like I would have like ended up with you know like an actual you know somewhat of a degree uh (laughs) much sooner than i finally got and it just was like a really it's a weird thing where i'm just like oh no that is like the point where like that decision to like come to lawrence like changed my whole life one could argue that you know that was a rash decision (laughs) decision made at 17 but like no i want to go i think i just want to get out of my parents house um, yeah. yeah, similarly, I think me moving to Lawrence after college was obviously a decision that changed the course of my life. I mean, uh, there was no other decision to be made, I guess, other than but try to get a job with my almost philosophy degree. That's not going to happen because I knew I wanted to work in music. So I moved to Lawrence and was just like, I don't know, I'll figure it out. And I did for a while and, you know, worked in music and like three other jobs and finally decided I needed to make grown up money. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It's always the it's always the funny thing where it's like you're you're making decisions when your brain is just like at its most impulsive. Yeah. Like, let's make some plans that will affect my life for the next several decades mm-hmm. while I am 
not legally allowed to rent a car. Yeah, it's fine. It worked out. It did. I don't know. I mean, that's the time, right? You have to make those rash decisions then because you wouldn't do it now. Like, I wouldn't do it now. That's too scary. But then I was like, I don't know. It'll probably be fine. Yeah. It'll work out. And it did. So I mean, we're, we're literally both sitting here recording in homes we own. Yeah. Look <laughs> so, at us. Like, hey, <laughs> it worked out. It we're fine. We, we regularly have food, shelter, clothing, friendships, and love. And I think that's that's all you need. We did it. <laughs> like I have a cat wandering around screaming because she loves me. Um, yeah. What else is there in life other than our cats loving us fiercely? <laughs> fiercely and loudly. And how about you all? What are your what are your uh, turning point decisions? What you know, what other way could you have gone? We'd love to hear about it. I really do. Like I want to hear about like like things where it's just like those linchpin pivot things where it's just like what what could your life have been otherwise yeah yeah it's weird to think you know when you you know it's a cliche in movies the butterfly effect or sliding doors or what one little choice what could have gone a different way you know timelines dimensions things like that like we're going we're going to christmas and new year's and new year's is a, a new beginnings sort of thing so yeah yeah Now it is time for New Nightmares. This is our roundup of trailers, new to streaming, coming to theaters, all kinds of news. Today, I think it's just trailers. We really kind of got a lot since we've kind of had a drought. I feel like everybody's like, okay, get ready for January. There's going to be more. Yep. It's like, okay, we, it is It is going to be a new year. And after Christmas, like we're going to and throw you a bunch of stuff. Uh, and first up is a movie I think we're both very, very excited about, mm-hmm. uh, which is Destroy All Neighbors. Uh, we got a poster, which is amazing. And then we just got a trailer uh, ahead of its release on Shutter on January 12th. And this movie stars Alex Winter and Jonah Ray Rodriguez. Um, plot synopsis. Uh, William Brown, a neurotic, self-absorbed musician, determined to finish his prog rock rock magnum opus, faces a creative roadblock in the form of a noisy and grotesque neighbor named Vlad. Working up the nerve to demand that Vlad keep it down, William inadvertently decapitates him. (laughs) But while attempting to cover up one murder, William's accidental reign of terror causes victims to pile up and become undead corpses who torment and create more bloody detours on his road to Prague Rock Valhalla. Um, There is a lot of practical effects. Uh, It looks very sticky. Uh, It is directed by Josh Forbes, who uh, directed uh, Contracted Phase 2. And you know, it's funny, and like this whole thing, like nobody mentions that Thomas Lennon's in it, and I feel yeah. like that is a big omission and uh, something that only makes me want to see this movie more. Which I have a screener sitting in my inbox, and I haven't gotten to it yet. Same, I'm planning it for my uh, time off between the holidays because I have committed to uh, reviewing it for Downright Creepy. So keep your eye on that when the embargo's up. You'll see my review of it. It's funny though; I committed to reviewing it and. It's it looks fun, but I just saw Jonah Ray Rodriguez, Alex Winters, and the poster, and was like, "Yes, I'm in. Send me a screener, please." <laughs> and then I watched the trailer, and I was like, "Oh my god, this is unhinged." I had no idea it was gonna be this batshit. It looks really, really wild, and I cannot wait to press play on it. I yeah, I mean, like one of my favorite movies to go to to for like just an utterly sort of unhinged Alex Winter performance is Freaked. And uh, this looks like it goes even further. And I totally understand why they got both of these guys to be our leads. Yeah. And looking at the upcoming calendar, I would say there's a good chance as long as this is as good as it looks that we'll probably talk about it on the show. It, It's sort of there's nothing else around it that would take 
feature presentation away from me, I think. Don't hold us to it yet, because who knows what will happen, but that's early predictions suggest we'll talk about it. Oh, yeah. Speaking of things we like to talk about, we already, I think we mentioned this one briefly. We first started to hear about it, but now we have a trailer for Founders Day, a tricentennial theme slasher movie <laughs> that is coming to theaters January 19th. Um, it's a holiday horror. In this bold political slasher from Bloomquist Brothers, a small town is shaken by a series of ominous killings in the days leading up to a heated mayoral election. Um, the, the mask is creepy and weird. It just, it looks, you know, like silly holiday horror for a holiday that we don't celebrate, but that's cool. Yeah, it. I love the mask. Uh, I love the fact that he's basically killing people with a gavel. Uh, <laughs> not the first weird uh, weapon we'll see in a trailer on this episode either. So, um, I mean, like, it just seems like it'll be, it's probably not going to be anything beyond what it looks like, but it does look a lot of fun. Yeah. I mean, a slasher is a slasher, but anytime we can find a new setting, a new weapon, a new mask. We'll watch it. We'll yep. watch it even with the old settings and old masks, but we're excited about new too. <laughs> yeah. Uh speaking of like a really weird here's a here's something new and definitely <laughs> different, and it is Barnaby Clay's directorial debut, The Seating. Um, we got a trailer for it. Um, and it centers on a hiker who gets lost in the desert and seeks refuge with a woman who is living alone. That is really just man, it. That's it's not enough. No. And and I, it it makes it sound like he's chosen that and the trailer doesn't appear that he's chosen that. He looks kind of trapped in a, like a hole. Yeah. Creepy kids like my, mystery like yeah, um the 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 post on bloody disgusting um the the quotes say that like he gets the idea for from like set in these australian movies like walkabout uh or picnic at hanging rock and, and mm -hmm. like a little bit of deliverance as well um yeah i definitely get all of yeah, that you can see all of that it's very sun soaked yeah creep like it's either very bright or very dark um and um it, it it's going to hit uh theaters and uh vod on january 26th for magnet all right and in in furthering our fear of all things robots, on January 12th, we get Tim, or T-I-M, um, robot manservant happening here. This stars uh, Georgina Campbell from uh, Barbarian, which is exciting because she's great. She gets to use her natural accent, which we love. The film follows Abby, a prosthetics engineer, and her husband, Paul, as they adapt to a new life outside the city. Abby's latest project, the AI humanoid Tim, initially appears as the perfect aid programmed to serve her only her it transforms into a perilous obsession determined to replace paul i don't understand why anyone would want a human lifelike robot in their house and these movies only reinforce that for me but this looks really good technically integrated manservant That's um, it. <laughs> yeah um good god um it looks very creepy i mean I'm I think we're I will I would not be remiss to say that this gives like strong Megan vibes. Yes. Um, Megan without the dancing. Yeah. <laughs> it's 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 fatal attraction. But set in Megan times. Like I mean like it fatal attraction with a robot. Yeah. It's gonna be creepy and weird and terrifying. Um and make you like no. Just no. Yeah. I don't want, I don't want an android in my house. Hard pass. Hard pass. If I do, don't make it lifelike. Like I never want to forget for a second that it's a robot. I don't I don't want it to look human. No uncanny valley, please. No. So um I saw this this trailer popped up randomly for me on YouTube while I was watching stuff, and it scared the shit out of me. Yeah. But also kind of funny. Um, I don't know. Uh it is uh handling the undead another like a lot of these movies we're talking about are um feature length directorial debuts uh much as tim was and mm -hmm. um handling the undead is no different uh it is thea vistenthal there you go let's say 
um, and it's based on a novel. Um, and it is a strange phenomena erupts across Oslo, causing a strange, strange spike in electricity that resurrects people who recently died. Yeah. It looks yeah. very, very, very uncomfortable. Yeah. I mean, it's essentially zombies, but but more. In the trailer, there's a bit where she the she's a girl's like holding a rabbit too too strong. So I'm already uh-huh. like, I don't I don't know about this one, but I'm sure I'll see it anyway. But Yeah, uh there's there's no release date yet, um, because it's going to be premiering at Sundance in in January. Uh man. Yeah, it looks like this is going to be like one of those movies that is simultaneously like actual like, you know, scary in a horror movie way, but also like kind of emotionally devastating as well. Yeah. Like what happens if a person you've already grieved comes back Ooh. and you have to yeah. deal with them and deal with them in a bad way. Yeah. Like maybe re-get rid of them. Yeah. Just like, oh god damn it. Yeah. All right. File under things with names I hate that that look good anyway. Uh, Baghead <laughs> trailer is is out. Uh, this hits theaters January twenty fourth. We don't have the exact date yet. Uh, the uh, here's the synopsis. After the death of her estranged father, Iris learns she has inherited a rundown centuries old pub. She travels to Berlin to identify her father's body and meet with the solicitor to discuss the estate. Little does she know, when the deed is signed, she will become inextricably tied to an unspeakable entity residing in the pub's basement. Baghead, a shape-shifting creature that can transform into the dead... Oh, that was the sentence, sorry. Baghead is a shape-shifting creature that can transform into the dead. 2,000 in cash for two minutes with the creature is all it takes for desperate loved ones to ease their grief. Uh, there's more. I'm not going to finish reading it all. Cause I think just like, can... hey, do you want to know the plot of the entire movie? Yeah, it here it is. Anyway, as you can imagine, anytime you pay someone to show you something you're not supposed to see, it goes badly. <laughs> it yep. never works out, guys. Uh, this looks really scary, uh, if not a little CGI heavy, but, you know, that happens. And yep. I, I prefer practical, but I'll do deal with CGI. It's got Freya Allen from The Witcher. If, if you watch that show, I do not. It looks good, though. And it is directed by Al- Alberto Corridor. Uh, it has a lot of like British actors and stuff, um, including um, uh, Saffron Burrows, who has been in a bunch of things you've probably seen, even if you don't recommend recognize her name. Um, mm-hmm. He's been acting for a hell of a long time, but um, yeah, that's the only name I actually recognized. So yeah, I was like, oh, she's still working. Good for her. Um. But, yeah, and it's largely a pretty young cast. The the girl who gets the pub and her friend look pretty young, so I think you know probably newer actors because they're young. It does. I look, like the pub setting though. That sounds cool. It has like a really great concept, and I am hoping that like the over CGI thing doesn't make it. <clears throat> yeah, for sure. Um, speaking of a uh, hell of a lot of CGI, um. Coming up, uh, this will should be hitting Netflix the day after this episode drops on December 22nd. Um, it is a part one of two uh, part uh, K-drama thriller series, Korean, uh, and it's called Gyeongsang Creature. Um, and it's like period horror, historical drama, monsters. Gyeongsang, Korea, 1945, in Seoul's grim era under colonial rule. An entrepreneur and a sleuth fight for survival and face a monster born out of human greed. Zhang um, Taesang, the owner of House of Golden Treasure Pawn Shop, the wealthiest, most connected person in Gyeongsang, and Han Sohee take, uh, takes on the role of Yoon Chaiok, a sleuth with a reputation for the impossible. Together, they delve into the mysterious and tumultuous world of 1945. That uh, is one of those things where it says a whole lot and it doesn't really explain a damn thing. The trailer makes it look like somebody gets put into, they're, they're trying to get into a hospital. There's something in the hospital and it's a monster. Yeah, essentially. Um, it looks cool. I'm sorry that you had to pronounce all those names. Just like I really should. You did great. You did great. I'm so sorry, Korea. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, like uh, 
it looks exciting. Like this is exactly sort of like the perfect thing to drop right before the end of the year where it's just like, yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I will overdose on Christmas movies at some point and then just want to zone out and watch what looks like a combination of drama, action, horror. Like, all right. Yeah. Yeah. Looks fun. It does. It looks like, like, it does not look like this is going to be boring at all. No, for sure not. Not your standard 1940s period piece, for sure. Oh, no. All right. <laughs> Another period piece of a much different kind. <laughs> Out of Darkness, a Stone Age horror movie. But you didn't think we were going to get that. It will be in theaters on February 9th. Um, it, it, yeah, it takes place a lot in a cave. Um, let's see. Let me see. Okay. A small boat reaches the shores of a raw and desolate landscape. A group of six have struggled across the narrow sea to find a new home. They are starving, desperate, and living 45,000 years ago. First, they must find shelter, and they strike out across the tundra towards the distant mountains that promise the abundant caves they need to survive. But when night falls, anticipation turns to fear and doubt as they realize they're not alone. As if everything in the Stone Age wasn't already scary enough, this makes it scarier. Yeah, uh, again, another feature directorial debut from Andrew Cumming. Um, Just, uh, it was originally called The Origin, which I feel like Out of Darkness is a much better title. Yeah, for sure. Um, For sure. Yeah, like, I I mean, it's got a lot of potential. I love the fact that we're trying new concepts. Mm -hmm. Like, and I feel like, yeah, a Paleolithic slasher yeah it is also um the language used in it was created specifically for this by a linguist and an archaeologist which is like i don't know that's a huge thing to do is to create your own language for your film i definitely noticed in the trailer that they were speaking something that i was like i wonder what that is and i see now i had actually read this one little paragraph it says that um which is i mean just wow that's really cool I'm, uh, you know, I'm down for, I'm always down for like a new concept. Yeah. It's such a, I, I love the idea of like a small cast, but like a massive like set. Yeah. Like, where it's just like, we're going to set this on the tundra. Like, yeah, the, the set is the whole outdoors. The whole cool. outdoors. <laughs> yeah, very, very excited. I can't decide if I'm excited about this or not. Uh, it is uh, called Has Been Hotel. That's H-A-Z-B-I-N. Um, it will uh, hit January 19th on Prime. Uh, it's already been renewed for a second season. Uh, and it is an R-rated animated musical comedy set in hell. Um, it follows Charlie, Princess of Hell, as she pursues her seemingly impossible goal of rehabilitating demons to peacefully reduce overpopulation in her kingdom. After a yearly extermination imposed by angels, she opens a hotel in the hopes that patrons will be checking out into heaven. Um, uh, it's got a lot of Broadway people that I assume, like, I don't know, like, I'm very, very curious. Like, I love the look of it. Yeah. Um, they say fuck a lot in this trailer. Oh my God, right? Which is hilarious for something that is not just animated, but looks animated for children. I have a feeling. I have a feeling there are definitely going to be some parents who are just like, "Oh, it's like Hotel Transylvania, right?" Yeah. And just let their kids watch it and just like hear screaming, or maybe not, because <laughs> it looks like it's also like really violent as well. Yeah, yeah. Because if you just look at the picture, like they're adorable. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. it looks like it's it was designed in a lab for cosplay. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, depending on how well it is, maybe we'll see some folks cosplaying this shit uh, come uh, this this summer's um, the the next installment of Crypticon. Who knows? Yeah, that'd be fun. Uh, but it is it is from A twenty four. They're just like, all over the place. Yeah, and so, hey, you know, listen, like, um, I've got Prime Video. I will be at the very least checking it out and seeing how it goes. For sure. Yeah. Same. All right. Up next, real world scares, in my opinion. Um, Alex Garland's latest feature, Civil War, also A24. This doesn't come out until April 16th. 
one-line synopsis. We love to see it. A race to the White House in a near-future America balanced on the razor's edge. I guess that's not a synopsis so much as a tagline. However, what it seems like is we've got a three-term president, so you know what that's alluding to, a little dictatorship, and we've got uh, some people who like that and some people who don't. And we've got Kristen, Kristen Dunst, Nick Offerman. What more do you need? It looks... Um, to me, very existentially scary. I, I was yeah. very scared watching I mean, the like, preview. I, that is kind of Alex Garland's thing. We're like mixing like actual scary things with like what's scary because it could possibly be real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I have a feeling this is, oh, this is going to make a lot of people upset. Yeah. It's like irritating it's not, internet people, but yeah, it's not super pointed but it's pretty pointed yeah i i I, this is one where i just i want to see just to see like what the actual everything is you know what i mean Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like why are they there there are a couple scenes in that trailer that just look very like are just very uncomfortable it's like why are you doing this we're americans what kind of americans like oh uh, ah, mm." yeah yeah and and there was a just a line super quick in the trailer that I think says everything because Kirsten Dunst's character is a journalist and someone's like, oh, journalists are being shot on site in Washington, D.C. Oh, OK. Yeah, I'm, this yeah. is uh, coming out in April. Maybe uh, maybe see it before you vote in November. Just a suggestion. <laughs> uh, and our final trailer, uh, like another another weird slasher with a mask and a interesting weapon uh it is punch uh based on the mr punch from punch and judy uh as a killer um it's digital and vod january 16th um before heading back to university frankie craves one final night out in her coastal hometown but sinister local legend mr punch is on the prowl and chaos ensues as frankie and her friends fight for survival in this eerie slasher the mask is cool it's hilarious to me that they base this on punch and judy well i mean like that's the thing he like punch literally is just a dude with a bat who beats people like yeah like in, in the puppet show for like centuries yeah i do love the idea of setting something in like like a horror movie set in like a british like seaside resort town i feel like that is a like an untapped resource because this movie Mm -hmm. looks so cool like i mean it's just like a great setting where it's like lights and creepy things and you're by the seaside and like has a lot of visual potential i mean it could also be terrible like because i mean it is that is that is as standard a (laughs) slasher synopsis as i've ever read yeah for sure i i don't think it's going to be reaching new ground uh but if it's fun, it's worth watching. We'll see. And I do in, enjoy a, a good, um, you know, voice manipulation. Um, and that voice is very, very creepy. Yeah, definitely. Um, that is all the news. Yay. Angel Falls, I give you Christmas. The lights are so pretty. This is perfect. What did you eat? If I was never born. Did you see that? Did the power go up? Oh my god. I stood under the aurora and said everyone would be better off if I never existed. Well, wish granted. The angel strikes every couple of weeks. How can that be? Do I know you? It's Winnie. You know that. Okay. This her? Hi. Hi, I'm Henry Waters. You're safe now. He's not gonna get you. No one in this town knows me. Who are you? Dad. 
You weren't around to stop him, so he just kept going. He likes killing. I'm here now. Let's have some fun. Hey, you. Hey. Merry Christmas. We gotta stop him. And get my life back. You'll be safe now. Please. It is now time for our feature presentation for this episode. We watched It's a Wonderful Knife, directed by Winnie Carruthers. Julie, what's it all about? After saving her town from a psychotic killer, Winnie Carruthers' life is less than wonderful. When she wishes she'd never been born, she finds herself in a nightmare parallel universe where without her, things could be much, much worse. Essentially, it's a wonderful life, but stabby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And with a ton of people you've seen in a lot of other things. Yes, it is is an all-star cast, and that's kind of the best thing I can say about it, I'm going to be honest. It is a great concept Mm -hmm. with some really fantastic performances. Yes. And... uh, I didn't care about a single character. I did not care about a single character either. It's a great concept that does like a weird thing. It's going to be really hard to talk about this without spoiling it. Um, So like, as per usual, like we, we try our best, but I think this one, this might be one where we kind of to, to discuss some very specific criticisms. I think we both have, we're going to have to spoil the shit out of the, the last third of it. Yeah. And it's on shutter now. So you, you can watch it. It's been on Shutter for a few weeks, so hopefully you already have. Additionally, if you know the plot of It's a Wonderful Life, you know essentially how it ends up. There are just some things that, like, turns you might not know about because, you know, It's a Wonderful Life didn't have a killer or um, a queer subtext or, you know, all the things that this movie has going for it. Um, I mean, essentially, just to get it out of the way, my biggest criticism is that None of the characters like did what I don't know, like they were set up as something personality wise, and then they didn't follow that. Most mm-hmm. of them. Um, I, I, I think a good example is ah, we have Joel McHale in this movie mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I love Joel McHale in comedies like yeah. he was fantastic on community. He was fantastic as the host of the soup, talk soup, whatever you want to call it. Um, he in dramatic roles, uh, sucks eggs. <laughs> um, like he, like I mean, he's in Assassination Nation. He's in Deliver Us from Evil. He's the dad in the first Becky movie. Mm-hmm. And man, like he doesn't know how. Like every attempt at gravitas just comes off as like smarmy, and you expect at some point for him to like start making a joke, and it just doesn't work yeah yeah i think i agree with that um the person who just excels in everything he does in a way that makes me hate him so much here though is justin long we he's so good in this horrible role i mean horrible character and he gets to be an asshole like twice in very different ways mm-hmm. but like the same character i love and i absolutely love him in this um we get like a little tidbit of william b davis um aka the cigarette smoking man from the x-files yes. um and he he actually does bring like the the lone bit of actual gravitas to this film in his mm-hmm. like you know five minutes on screen like yeah. the very beginning yeah, I was so excited when he popped up and then he was completely against type as like the heart of the film rather than the villain of the film. <laughs> and, you know, and him and his granddaughter, those were like the two characters that I was like, all right, I like them. Spoilers, they die immediately. Yeah, yeah. They're um, gone the rest of the movie. <laughs> um, We'll say, though, um, Catherine Isabel, Isabel in this is like... Every time she pops up in something anymore, she never gets like a lead role. She's always like a side character, you know, like on Hannibal or things like that. She is, I 
her and Justin Long, I feel, are the only two people who are just like, okay, this is what the movie is. Let's go. Like, just mm-hmm. let's make this as a let's chew the scenery as hard as we possibly can. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, and the rest are teenagers. That's fine. I just, and I don't even think it's their fault. Like, I don't think anybody does a bad job with what they're given. They're just not given a good quality character. Like, none of the characters are developed in a way that makes any sense. They try a lot with with Bernie, a.k.a. Weirdo. I think mm-hmm. giving her that nickname is a little just like, ah, come on. Like, can we try harder, please? Although that is exactly the sort of nickname that, like, uncreative high school students would give. Yeah. Um, But uh, Jess McLeod does pretty good with what she has. She does, like, try to give it some verve and interest. Um, It is a little too close to uh, Emma Myers uh, as Enid from uh, Wednesday, though. Like, yeah. Like, both in terms of, like, just, like, behavior and, like, facial expressions and all of that. Like, but, like, she is charming. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. She is the lovable weirdo, as it turns out. And, yeah. I I did like her character. I did think, okay, so this is further spoiling. Ultimately, even though Winnie is initially presented as in a heterosexual relationship, she ends up in a romance with Bernie. And I just think it really comes out of nowhere like i'm here for it if it were built properly but it's just like i don't know it seems like oh we need more queer content but we already had queer characters they were side characters again i'm here for i'm here for just people being casually queer and it not being a thing Mm -hmm. this just seems wedged in in a way that didn't make sense to me it is like one of those things where you kind of get like the idea they they do like a, a half-assed job of like kind of presenting it. It's like she's had like a really bad year, like finds out her boyfriend is cheating on her with like another one of their friends. Like, like they're all kind of ignoring like all of this stuff that's happened. She gets there and find, you know, when like everything changes, she finds out like her dad like her brother died because she wasn't around and Mm -hmm. she's found this person who's treating her well like and like i think a relationship can be born of that but again it's i i appreciate like kind of the idea where it's just like oh no like we don't have to like like from the very beginning like you know like a like a pink triangle on her shirt or something yeah yeah. um so i I, like I like, you know, just like, oh, no, like, yeah, she can fall in love with whoever she wants to. But again, like the the romance is one of those things like it just develops so quickly. Like it just goes, yeah. from, like, we're in love. Like that almost seems like a like a parody yeah. of lesbian relationships, because th- th- those are tropes and jokes that have been rolled along for decades. So yeah, for sure. that, that makes me like feel kind of uncomfortable where it's just like. They fall, girls fall in love so fast, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. Even, you know, on the worst day of your life and here you are falling in love. I just, yeah, I don't yeah. know. It's like trauma bonding, maybe. Uh, yes. That is it. a thing. But um, yeah, there, there are, by the way, in relation to like the multiple queer characters, there are some comments in the horror subreddit that are fucking awful regarding this movie. Like you can make a lot of complaints about it's a wonderful knife. Like Mm -hmm. we obviously are like, but like there are people who are just like, yeah, they're just shoehorning in gay characters and like, they're like all this multicultural representation and all that. It's like, you know, those things exist, right? Like in showing them in a movie doesn't mean that make it woke. It's just presenting reality. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's why I hate to say anything against it. And, it, you know, it, it, you're right, too. It's not just that the nature of the relationship is any relationship begun that way just doesn't seem it doesn't seem natural. Like she had never even talked to Bernie before. She'd seen her across the room, but maybe they could have developed that a little bit more in the initial part. Just a little bit more of like, why is she so interested in waving at and being friendly to this person that her friends don't want her to talk to? 
And this is before we've even got to like all of us. Like I am down with like the the like the weird sort of uh like supernatural aspect of like wishing you've never been born and then everything changes, mm-hmm. and that's what happens. But like they they just keep going. Yeah. And so, like, for the first, I'm going to say, I don't know, 50% of the film, I was like, I'm just not into this. Then for that, for, like, the third quarter, I was like, holy shit, this is bananas. Why wasn't the whole film this? And then the the last quarter of it wrapped up. I'm like, yeah, we're kind of back to meh. But that (laughs) one quarter of the film where Justin Long is the mayor who's gone completely bananas the story goes off the rails as far as like who's doing the actual killing what's happening to the people in the town all of that i was just like okay wild could have used a lot more of this through the whole film and we get like killing and stuff through the whole film and that's cool and there's some cool kills but it just it goes so hard for just this little window of time that i was like yes 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 okay back to meh it's there's a lot of monologues and it's a wonderful yeah. knife, like so many. Yeah. There's a there's um I would say that is my prime issue with Michael Kennedy's script. Um, is that like there's a lot of tell not show in this where mm-hmm. it's just like telling stories about stuff that happens, and like I'm all for like a good like gremlin style monologue, like that just kind of like we all chill and then we get to hear something that's very horrible, but like so many people just like sit and talk to each other. And it just, I I think that's part of it is that just there's a lot more that could be done in that with that, you know, five minutes or whatever mm-hmm. in terms of like, you know, I don't want to be like it. It doesn't advance the plot, but like legitimately like it's just, it's stopping your plot like dead in its tracks. Yeah. It and really like, feels a lot like the late nineties, early 2000 teen TV Dawson's Creek kind of stuff where it's just yeah monologue yeah. after monologue talking about our feelings and I yeah I love it and what's crazy is is it's such a great concept like that killer costume is amazing so it good. is an avenging angel and it looks great for winter not very practical if you're using a knife like let's be fair yeah. like all white not, bad idea they must have a closet full of those <laughs> But um, I do want to say shout out to Loki, my favorite character, which is uh, Buck Waters, the mayor's idiot brother, played by <laughs> Sean Deppner, who he's turned up like I was like, he is so familiar, but he's sort of that guy who's in stuff that you don't necessarily remember. So he was in Riverdale. He was in Sabrina. He was in this show called Deadly Class that I really liked. Um, But he is just like the worst but in a really fun way he's just a jackass and he's goofy and i was like i like this guy more of this guy that's right he's brett weston wallace yeah like just like the big like and also a very similarly uh themed character on the chilling adventures of sabrina like he's such a he plays a dick so well very good just being an asshole like just like he they it's been a really good long while since we've we've had like uh, I don't want to say like heir apparent to the throne of William Zabka, but he 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 is like the sort of dick. But you understand like it's you know, he's like the handsome guy who's just like an asshole. Yeah, he just he I'm sure he's a wonderfully nice person in real life. I hope so anyway. But his face says I'm going to be a dick to you. <laughs> it just yeah. says it. There's like one picture on his IMDb where he's smiling really cheerfully and I'm like, it looks like a whole different person because when he just has a straight face, he's like definitely going to kick your cat. <laughs> he has resting white privilege face. Yes. exactly. <laughs> that. But yeah, like that is a role that could have just been like it could have been bad, but like he leans into it. He has it's the confident stupidity that i just adore where it's just like somebody who has no idea like it's the john ham from the episode of 30 rock where like he gets away with a lot of shit just because he's a handsome dude yeah yeah um, um 
I want to make a correction because I typed this wrong in our notes. The director is Tyler McIntyre. Tyler. I had typed in the character name instead. And that oh. was my fault. And I apologize. So, that's and Nick Ron Burgundy it for me. <laughs> <laughs> I just read it. I yep. Yeah. <laughs> um, like I I do love like what's so funny is like the people involved with this movie have made things that I really like. Mm-hmm. Like Michael Kennedy co-wrote Freaky, which was a blast. Mm-hmm. Tyler yep. McIntyre directed Tragedy Girls, which is a blast. Like I've watched those movies multiple times and enjoy them, but like I don't. I figured like the two of them coming together on this was going to be like, oh man, the two great things to. <sighs> yeah, I think maybe they just needed like a third set of eyes on it to be like just a little editing not like film editing but like story editing before putting it into production just like well, maybe we don't need this or maybe we change this a little bit like there's a good movie in there we just don't quite get it yeah it has it has a lot of things going for it that never quite coalesce it's it is there's a review um that gets mentioned on the wikipedia page where um it is uh, J. Kim Murphy at Variety <laughs> says it's defined by an overruling superfluousness, the sort of thing people might be satisfied with watching from the corner of their eyes while watching Presence. And that is exactly what this movie is. Yeah. Yeah. This is a it, because it's a holiday movie, people will put it on without caring that much whether it's good or bad. But I don't know how many people are going to watch it next year. Or the year after or five years from now. It is a movie that like has a lot of things where it's like trying to become like an annual thing. Like it's it's trying mm-hmm. to find its way into like the canon of, you know, holiday horror or Christmas slashers or whatever. But it just never quite coalesces and also like this is the, i feel like this is kicking a movie when it's down it just like aside from like character like the, the angel and a few scenes like this is a movie that doesn't it looks it doesn't look great yeah yeah it's a lot of it's very blue which is fine color theme but it, it, i don't know yeah it just doesn't it has the potential to be really beautiful and christmasy and it not. looks washed out yeah which is like even e- having watched It's a Wonderful Life a billion times, like even when you get like the Potterville version of the town, like it still like pops visually. Like it's it's the exact opposite of like it has all of the same sort of lights and Christmassy things that you have, but they're mm-hmm. all just like lurid. And yeah. that's what makes it work where it's like it's a it's a visual style and i think that might actually be kind of the the thing that it didn't learn from it's a wonderful life it's a wonderful life spends a like it's a half and half kind of movie you get you get to spend half the movie learning and growing with george bailey before everything gets pulled away in Mm -hmm. this it's like 10 minutes 15 maybe and then you spend most of your time in the other world and there's not enough contrast to make it work. I feel like they took like the idea, but not like the the core of it. Like it's just it's the yeah. surface gloss of It's a Wonderful Life and not like the reason why that movie still like regardless of what things are dated or not, it still works. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bringing it back to Justin Long for a second. I've seen a lot of hate in the reviews about like, you know, I hate Justin Long. I hate Justin Long. I kind of think he's like, he's into Will Ferrell territory. He's either for you or he's not. He's just a taste. You know, he's, he's like whiskey. You either like it or you don't. And there's no in between. And I hate I like all three of those characters. So. Yes, me too. I hate this character, but I think that's great. I'm supposed to hate this character. Yeah. I hate the dumb fake teeth he has in. So he talks real weird, but it's great. It was a great choice. Everything about that character was a great choice. Yeah. No, like uh, Justin Long is, he is slowly but surely, like you see him in a movie and it's like, well, I'll I'll watch it for that. Like he is playing like a very, it 
a similar character to him in Barbarian, where it's just like mm -hmm. somebody who is a total terrible person and doesn't think that they're a terrible person. Yeah. Yeah. He's really found his weird, very specific niche. And I love that for him. Mm -hmm. So we're going to say, like, if you watch it, like, maybe just... Like, it's the perfect thing. Like, maybe while you're baking Christmas cookies, just have this yeah. on in the background. You're not going to miss any plot points. No, no. And you'll know when the kills are coming. You always do. You get Things get amped up. You get the feeling when someone's about to get it. Um, But it's on Shudder now. Like, yeah. And we're not saying don't watch it. It's not. It didn't, like, make me mad in, in the way that a movie has wasted my time and I'm mad that it took that time from me. It just... It just bored me in parts. So yeah, if I had been wrapping presents or making cookies or even hanging out with more friends, it was just me and Rob watching it. But maybe if I had seen it with a room full of friends, it might have felt more fun. But yeah, it's on Shutter now. Check yeah. it out. Maybe let us yeah. know what you think. Like I definitely like have seen some people who are like like uh Robert Down Daniels, who I follow on Twitter, uh fucking loved it. And that just surprised the shit out of me. So uh, had some very complimentary things to say about it so um yeah yeah it's it's divisive a lot of people seem to either love it or hate it but i think you and i being serial likers um it's weird that both of us were like pretty eh on it and we don't usually you know trash a movie and i hope we didn't completely trash it but we are always weirdly on the same page too with movies <laughs> so if you've ever come here for a good healthy debate i don't think you're ever going to get it it does not seem like we're ever going to do that <laughs> um you have put a couple other movies in here on what to watch and, and i just fully agree so i'm going to let you take those and then i'm going to say ditto at the end um so uh recommend watching uh like another sort of weird uh alternate reality sort of thing and that is happy death day um watch happy death day too while you're at it like it's mm -hmm. the whole different vibe um both of those are on hulu as well as i mean we mentioned this earlier freaky which is on prime like it is a like a body swap movie from you know the the writer of, of it's a wonderful knife and uh i it got buried during covid but like it was so funny it was just like but a bunch of people then also watched it because it, yeah. they rushed it to be online during covid and i think it's really it's like maybe the best thing vince vaughn has done in decades so good he's so good in it who knew he could so well play a teenage girl if you want to watch like a movie that's uh whatever that rob schneider is the hot girl or whatever it is if you want to watch something that is not cringy and awful watch freaky like it is you get to see like two people really get to do like it's it's fun as hell it's it's it is Capital it is a freaky acting. it is freaky friday but it's a slash it's a slasher like yeah. that's all you need i will also throw in there if you haven't watched totally killer throw that in that would be a good trilogy of just movies that are sort of taking non-horror movies and making them horror movies um with a cute blonde in the lead who's oh, also right? really fun. <laughs> it's a real rash of cute blondes, including this movie, just cute blondes who are doing a good job. Yeah. 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 be right back is the thing we're talking right now and so even though it is christmas holiday season we're dead smack in the middle of it uh what do you got coming up that's spooky well it is christmas and i'm running out of time for spooky stuff i think i have four christmas parties on my calendar for next week which sounds fun but is overwhelming to this introvert um but I, what i do want to prioritize is I have not seen the two remakes of Black Christmas, and you have mentioned many times how good they both are, so they are on my list to watch the 2006 and 2019 
mm-hmm. I think were the two remakes. So I'm going to check those both out because I'm curious. And don't come for me. I think the original Black Christmas is just fine. I think it's obviously it, a classic. It's just fine. Yeah, it's it is a movie that I watch. It's pure comfort viewing at this yeah. point. Yeah, I I mostly watch it for that cool sweater with the two hands right over her boobs. It's a cool <laughs> sweater. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> I learned to knit that. How about you? What do you have coming up that's spooky? Um, for the most part, I'm just trying desperately before our next issue, uh, our next episode to watch all of the like 2023 horror I haven't been able to see yet. So yeah, that, my like, list is going to be uh, not thorough because I'm not doing that. <laughs> I think there are a few things that I just I feel like I need to watch. Like I still need to watch Black Mold uh, and I still need mm-hmm. to watch cobweb and i still need to watch the pope's exorcist um so those are like the three and i'm like i can get those watched oh yeah the next the downside is that we're recording this it's like 11 o'clock on a sunday morning tonight at 8 30 i am recording the year-end wrap-up with uh abby and brock from the pitch for like our annual like editors thing and it will once again be me coming into that conversation with the like talking movies and TV shows and just being like, listen, like if it's, it's prestige or something like, nope, still haven't seen Barbie, haven't seen Oppenheimer, still haven't seen May, December, still haven't like. Yeah, I've, I saw Barbie, but the others know. And one of my friends, one of my coworkers actually asked me the other day, like, what makes me go see a movie? And I was like, is it horror? And she was like, but besides horror, and I was like. Is it Barbie? Those that's it. I haven't seen anything not horror besides Barbie this year. Like gone out to the theater to see. I will probably go see Iron Claw because it's wrestling and I love yeah, wrestling. Same. Like that's <laughs> the thing. Like for the most part, I'm just like there are a lot of movies where I'm like I don't need to see that on the big screen. Like I mm-hmm. don't need to see a comedy movie. I don't need to see yeah. a drama in the theater. Like I like it. It's you know it. It might sound snarky or whatever, but it's like going to the movies is expensive and. Mm-hmm. Like, if I'm going to shell out that movie, like, I want to go for an experience and like sitting in a dark, like sitting in a mildly uncomfortable chair for two hours or more these days, just like watch people talk. Like, I want to see, like, I want to see stuff, you know? Yeah. Same. Although I will agree that like occasionally seeing a comedy with like a huge crowd, like can just make it like a joyous, like we saw, what was it? Girls trip, like in the theater and that was some of the most fun I've ever had in the theater. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks everyone for listening uh, to the carnage report. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at report carnage. We can be reached via email at carnage report pod at Gmail. If you'd like to make any suggestions for upcoming episodes or share your thoughts, please do give us your top five or 10 horror movies for 2023. Maybe we will chat chat those along with ours next episode also we've got stickers you can email or reach us reach out to us on socials and we'll get a sticker or a few or some buttons to you um i hand them out in person pretty regularly if you see me uh but yeah like uh you know like get yourself some stocking stuffers like i mean if you get at us you know it's a little late for that now but i mean yeah. <laughs> it yeah, will by the time be... you hear this the mail might not get things there in time but we're still happy to send it but yeah give it a shot yeah all the music featured in this episode is by steve spacek who you can find on instagram at starling woodworks and nodder.bandcamp.com and Julie... nick where can they oh <laughs> <laughs> you go where can they find you on socials uh, they can find me on X and uh, Blue Sky at Nuthouse Punks. You can find me uh, at Nicholas Mouse on Instagram. And you can find me at From and Inspired on the letterbox. Julie, where can they find you? I am Dark Humor Girl Everywhere. And every mistake in this episode is on me. And also, it's Nick's birthday. It will be passed when you hear this. But i all the all the mistakes are my fault anyway but even if they weren't they would be because it's Nick's birthday (laughs) (laughs) Uh so yeah thanks for listening our next episode is going to be our best of we're going to round it up with the top horror of 2023 in our opinions and based on what we managed to see because no one can see everything i feel like there's people who try way harder than i do but i know i was listening to the 
Colors of the Dark podcast roundup and they were like, oh yeah, for the last month we've been watching everything frantically. And I'm like, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to base oh. it on what I was able to see easily. And I watch a lot. I watch a lot more horror than your average bear. So I feel like it's still a pretty good sampling on my list. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to get those last three in, but we've got two weeks. So you can do it. Yeah. You can do it. But uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Um, and we'll see you again in 2024. Yay. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.